Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, episode 48 of the Far End of the Bench podcast with Jimmy Pilato and Nico Bryant. We have a very fun episode for you. That's how I'll put it. We're winding down on sports, so we got a little bit crazy, and uh, it was fun. It is still a great, great time, and we have great conversations about the Stanley Cup final and the NBA final. Uh, only nine more games of playoff basketball, playoff sports at most between NHL and, and NBA. I can't believe we're finally here. Um, but with that, before we get into all this, Nico's got a great center of attention on the NIL, NIL stuff. Wow, that's a tongue twister. And we're going to leave that in because our authentic, uh, our authenticity is what makes us great. Um, but we uh, are at FEOTB Pod, all of our social medias, the far end of the bench YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe there. If you're subscribed, unsubscribe and resubscribe. Also do that on your podcasting platforms and leave a five-star rating with a review so we can continue to grow this show been a whole lot of fun for these 48 episodes to be a whole lot more fun to continue to do this and continue to get more recognition um, and grow this audience that we have we love you guys we want to continue to share our sports passion with you and the best way to do that is to subscribe follow us and leave a five-star rating and review but with that nico we got factor cap coming back this week and we might be talking about a another goat Joe, Joey Chestnut? What? The GOAT? You mean the GOAT? The, the G-O-A-T? The number one GOAT, Joey Chestnut? What? Or um, not that one? No, probably not that one. We'll talk. We might talk about him, yeah, but maybe. probably not that one. What's going on, Benjors? Man, for our for this week, for our for my center attention, it's something that came up very, very recently. July 1st, college athletes were finally able to market themselves. Give them that round of applause, because that's that we are in a step in the right direction. Jimmy played college football. I played college football for one season. I played college lacrosse or club lacrosse for one season. I know we, we both know what it takes to play at a certain level and to finally see athletes, not only D1, but D2, D3, NAIA, it doesn't matter, whatever collegiate, you can play football, you can do track. It doesn't matter. You If you feel the need and you feel like you can promote yourself you can benefit from it. Uh, this is a fantastic, absolutely fantastic opportunity because for years and years, I mean, it, it, it was constant athletes just getting the raw end of the stick. I remember specifically hearing and watching the Zion Duke versus North Carolina game. The cheapest ticket was $100,000. Zion got none of that. Finally, players like Zion now or players that are stars going to be like Zion or Trevor Lawrence in college sports or whatever it may be, get to market themselves and do it their own way and be able to gain some sort of revenue back. I am so, so happy for it. There's going to be repercussions. I know there is. That's how it always goes. But I am so, so excited that NCAA finally took a step in the right direction for the athletes. This episode of the Far End of the Bench is presented by the Unhinged Sports Network in partnership with Fanatics.com. Uh, I'll continue that round of applause, Nico, because this was a big win. We mentioned it 
we talked about it briefly when uh, the NCAA went to the Supreme Court to try and get like a limit placed on how much money can be made with the passing of the NIL. And the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the players, which we were like, wow, first time that's ever happened. Like, ever. Who, who, who knows what's like, this is uncharted territory and it's weird. It's different. It feels different. But I think that this, there was something that needed to get. And this was the right bridge for everything to go down with the climate. I mean, to, to be fair, the, what they're doing with the NIL and how they're able to make money is exactly what you and I are trying to do with this podcast, build their brand up to a point where companies would try and work with themselves. So for the climate and everything that it's in, I think that this honestly was maybe the best decision, best way that the NCAA could go about this whole situation because it was going to come sooner than later. It was getting oh, to the point where it was ridiculous. I mean, it was it was genius. It was because for, for years, people were like, well, maybe athletes should get stipends. Well, I have news for you. Anyone that knows anything about professional sports, when players come with stipends, there's contracts involved. Contracts mean agents. The NCAA found a way perfectly to let the athletes market themselves. So it's not on them to bring money in. If they want to sell jerseys, if they want to go do an autograph signing, if they want to do whatever, they can happily do that. I think it's, I mean, this you can talk about the Reggie Bush thing. We can get to that here in a minute of how he should get his Heisman Trophy back. But I mean, this is, it's a, the one thing that I questioned a little bit about it is the, the severity, or not the severity, but the level of the endorsements. Because you got to think, okay, if I'm at Alabama and we're a Nike school, I can't go to Under Armour. Because like, like, the schools at some point can be like, you can't wear those cleats. You're wearing our cleats. Like, it's, 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 that's, that's, that's the next thing. I mean, because college football is different than the pros because pros, you're paid by the team. The team can tell you, okay, you you can wear whatever, and that's how that's how basketball wears their own shoes. That's how um, uh, football players can wear Nike, whatever, or Under Armour or Adidas or whatever. But college players are still going to have to stick with that. So that's where it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, because because it's it's not like the big companies like Under Armour, Nike, and all these can, can sponsor like foot like foot contracts, like 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 cleat yeah. or shoe contracts. It's going to be more of the marketing side, the more non-athletics not not non-athletic but the off the field side the the non on the field side if that makes sense of endorsements yeah i would almost say i mean i need to do a lot more research and i'm probably going to have to do that research with you because you're going to have to explain some of the like marketing and everything all those terms like that the way that i've kind of understood it is that it's mainly just like a high-end brand ambassador is really if you're going to go if we're going to use that example of the big companies like Under Armour and Nike first off i think that the NCAA or the schools would would take those contracts away so fast if they started doing personal endorsements for different players that's never i don't think that was ever going to be on the table so um they they wouldn't be looking for it i guess in the way that they look for professional athletes to make shoes but they would look for you hey you want to be on this Nike poster Hey, your school is a Nike school. Do you want to be in this or, or something like that? Be in a commercial and get paid for it, whatever that's going to be. Um, I don't, I don't know. There's, there is that concern, I guess, especially like you, did you see Dabo Sweeney's comments about yeah. if they start playing pay, players, paying players in college, you might as well go coach in the pros, 
I got newsflash for you, Dabo. You can't coach in the pros. Your style won't work in the pros, but uh, there's that sentiment. What, what do you think of that? Like, is this going to change the game completely? I think it's going to get weird when athletes start getting paid more than the coaches. I think coaches' salaries are going to have to start increasing a little bit more. Because if you're a player of Trevor Lawrence's stature and you could have gotten all these endorsements from whoever you wanted, you could have been like, yo, I like your chicken. Uh, let me endorse it like Spencer Rattler did with Canes. Like, yo, I love Canes. I'm gonna, I, want some, I want to be sponsored by Chick-fil-A or I want to be sponsored by uh, Body Armor or Powerade. He could have done that so quickly and made so much money out of it. The thing is, the coaches now, the I mean, let's put this in perspective. Athletes are getting some stuff. I mean, majority depending on depending, depending on, on the, the level school, that you're at. Yeah, at some point, athletes are getting some in some sort of way. Now that money that those uh um those donors and those uh booster holders for those universities now that money goes to coaches. That's where I'm seeing it. Like, because you don't have to worry about that anymore because they're already going to get the top high-end stuff from playing in Alabama because all they have to say is, I'm the third-string long snapper for Alabama, and anybody's going to talk to them. That's all they have to do. And and so so that's going to be weird. I think coaches' pay is going to start to increase. Um, You'll definitely start seeing that more. You'll start seeing more of the – Jimbo Fisher type contracts where it's, it's long contracts, with just a lot of guaranteed money. So, I mean, but, but I mean, one of the things I'm most excited about this, we finally get college jerseys sold legally, <laughs> officially jerseys sold with their names on it. Cause I, I mean, you could, you could buy a T-Bow Gators Jersey, but it wasn't off the Nike website. You could, you could buy, I have a Chauncey Billups Colorado Jersey basketball jersey but that's not real <laughs> like yeah. uh, do we, there's a chance for former athletes now to get back in the spotlight which i think because i mean if you go if you go to duke you those players i mean you buy zion you those people went to the china website sorry use the fanatics deal but went to the china website bought zion jerseys that said williamson on it but those are not issued jerseys I mean, they're going to be expensive as hell, but they'll be officially licensed. And I think that's going to get to you in three years. Yeah, it'll, it'll cross the or uh, yeah the Pacific Ocean and get to you in three years. Um, I think. I, I mean, I'm very excited. I, mean, I I still think the Reggie Bush drama. That's the one oh, thing where yeah, the NCAA that's... needs to needs to wake up because <laughs> he didn't. This this ain't a Pete Rose Pete Rose scandal where Reggie Bush affected his play. There is zero, anything he did, Reggie Bush is arguably the greatest college running back of all time. And his name is not in the books, not as a Heisman Trophy finalist. He doesn't get to go to the ceremony. He doesn't get to have it be in those Nissan commercials just because people were butthurt back in 2004, was it? 2005 or whatever it was. Yeah. I think he wanted he he would have won the Heisman in two thousand four. That also, there was I don't even think he was involved in that. I think people at USC bought his parents a house and just told them, "Hey, you can come move in here. This is your house now." And he wasn't even. It's not like he was going out there. Um, it, it wasn't a situation where a guy was going out there and trying to profit off of something or use his name and likeness. Sure, I'm. I mean, I've heard the stories Arian Foster told 
when you're playing at the University of Tennessee and your stipend goes to your rent, you got no money. You can't even scrape two nickels together. You'll get a cheeseburger. So yeah, I'm going to take that envelope, that unmarked envelope with a bunch of hundred dollar bills. And it, it's, I, at least it's going to put stuff out in the open. At least these players are going to be able, depending on what you're able to do with this, depending on if you're able to market yourself and get a brand deal, you'll be able to put yourself in a position to where living might be a little bit more comfortable. And it's not, I would say that it's probably not going to affect the guys. Like, I mean, I don't, I played at a division two college. I don't think that I was going to go out there and get a $20,000 endorsement deal like Bo Nix did. As soon as the NLI was signed, NIL was signed, he was like, yep, I uh, love this sports drink. And this is the sports drink that I'm going to drink before every game. And he got a quick 20 grand, but this is, it'll be weird at first, but it's all going to balance itself out. This was bound to happen at some point. Keep in mind, the NCAA was established, I think, back in like 1906. So they had a good 100 plus years of absolutely robbing college athletes. You know, they don't make less than a billion dollars a year, even with COVID and everything. When when everything got shut down, yeah, they missed out on a lot of money for the tournaments. They still made a good amount of money, and they're a non-for-profit organization. Yeah, and and, and the, the, the perfect part about this, like I said, was the fact that they're not outright paying them in contracts. You still get to keep your amateur status, so mm-hmm. that's not even a problem. The athletes, it's it's on the athletes now to go out and about and figure out how they can make profit off their likeness. It's not on the schools. It's not on the on the on the call on the universities. Or sorry, the university. It's not on the university. It's not on the NCAA. They're amateurs still, and they, now it's just on them to make sure that they get some money in their pocket. Yeah, and I think yeah, I saw one argument today on Twitter that said it's probably going to affect the one and dones in college basketball. I don't necessarily think I mean the guys that are still that good are going to go one and done and try and get in the NBA as soon as possible. But this is how we combat our top young high school players going overseas. You're not going to get the RJ Hamptons going to Australia and playing professional basketball over there, the LaMelo balls. They're going to be over here. They're going to be playing in college and now they're going to be able to support themselves. I'd, I think there could it could be misused, but I think at first we're going to see a lot of benefits from it. So oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. that was a good center of attention and fitting. You get to be the center of attention this week because it's the Nico Bryant episode, episode number 48 of the far end of the bench. I can't believe people are still listening. It surprises yeah. me every morning when I log into anchor and people listen. So yeah, episode 48. It's been a, it's a wild ride. 48. We're, we're near halfway or past halfway to your number two. So it's been a, it's been a, we're almost at 50. We're almost at 53. So we're getting there. We are getting there. And this is a big week for us too, because we get to be live and in person for the MLB All-Star Weekend. Uh, another lefty was announced today. We are going to be busy up there in the rooftop on Monday. I'm just uh, stopping by, played against sports, and getting me a terrible ass mitt, and just going to do whatever I can. I'll make sure I have a cap too, so I can do one, a yeah. cap in one hand, glove in the other, just so we can make make sure we get as many or get at least one. We're going to at least get one. I guarantee that. Yeah, get a big softball outfielder's mitt, the thing that goes like 10 inches off of your fingers, you'll be fine. Um, but that being said, we also have playoffs for us to get to. Only nine playoff games at the most are still promised. From what the last month and a half has felt like, that seems insane that we're already here. Um, but do you want to start with the NBA or do you want to start with the NHL? Because we are recording this after the game one of the NBA Finals. So, yes, we are still grinding that hard for you guys. Uh, Stanley Cup start- Final NBA. 
Yeah, let's start with the NHL because I think there's a good chance that this series is over by the time we record next. <laughs> well, I uh, it would be nice uh, scheduling wise. It would be nice for me if the season did end because then I can have my last episode of two for chirping come out for the season and kind of put that on the shelf. But going to the Stanley Cup final, uh, let's start because we talked about game one the last time. Tampa now leads the series three one. Montreal won Monday Three night one. in overtime. Three one. And I, I'll, I'll say uh, when we get to game five, I'll, I'll talk about it. But I was very impressed. I watched that game from start to finish. It was one of the first ones since the abs got eliminated that I did that with. Um, but Tampa Bay, it's funny because they are still benefiting from that long-term injured reserve list. But I was listening to Spin and Chicklets this morning and they brought up a good point. You know who – the first team that actually spoke out about the stupidity of that rule was Montreal, wasn't it? The Tampa Bay Lightning, because the Chicago Blackhawks did this with Patrick Kane when they were in the middle of their cup runs. And there was one season where Patrick Kane missed like 45, 50% of the regular season, because I think that's what the normal long term injury reserve is. And he came back and the Blackhawks went on to win the, win the Stanley Cup, I think, beating the Tampa Bay Lightning that year. So obviously, Tampa's been. You know, they're familiar with this rule, but, you know, they're good. I'm nervous, though. 3-1 lead, Montreal winning in overtime, and it was a closeout situation. We know how good Vasilevsky's been in closeout situations. It was just a strange, strange feeling last night. But game games one through three were pretty one-sided. I'll give you that. Man, it, it was so nice of Tampa Bay. Such what, what a great group of guys, man. So nice of them to be, have a gentleman sweep. This game is not, this is not going past five. Bucket market. You're, you're putting is that face. your that's your Charles Barkley lock of the week? Yeah, I guarantee. I guarantee. Guarantee. This is not going past five. It was uh, Tampa Bay. First of all, everything they, they couldn't get their family into the into the game, like or into the country. The fans. I mean, this is this is as weird because it's in Canada. It's in the United States. This is so much better. For Tampa Bay. Why the hell would you want to be in Canada celebrating the Stanley Cup when there's no one around you, you can't go partying, and you have no family or friends around? Hell no. Tampa Bay, quote-unquote, through that game, they now they were so kind to let Montreal get a little glimpse of hope. I'll tell you right now, Montreal, hell of a run. This is, this is the... Uh, I will, I will have a baseball reference here. Oh, I know. never thought this would happen. This is the Colorado Rockies of 2007. Montreal has oh, no shit. right being here. They got, they got, they lucky they got one game. The Rockies could have got one game in 2007. The Lightning were just very, very nice to the, nice to Montreal. And Boston wasn't very nice to us. And they let them get one game and they're going to kick the shit out of them in game five. Because, because Carey Price is doing everything possible to keep this team in, team in the game, but the inexperience up front for Montreal is just hurting. It just is. Yeah. Caulfield is a fucking animal. The dude is unreal. <laughs> but he's, he's a first-year guy. Like, this is his first lick of hockey, professional hockey. Not even, not even like, postseason hockey, professional hockey. The dude came in Series 1 and, and started doing this. Like Montreal has an opportunity to be good for a few more years. I hope to God they get rid of this stupid ass um, divisional crap 
but I mean, Montreal, good for you. You played well, but you're, it's, it's, you're, you had a good run. So you're telling me that. Hats off to you. You had a good run. It was, it, it's over in five. You're telling and me that McDonough wasn't. Yeah, if they somehow come back in seven, I'll be very, very surprised. You're telling me that McDonough wasn't in on the fact that they were throwing that game last night because he did everything that he could. I mean, the game looked like it was going all Montreal's way. And then towards the end of the third period, Ryan McDonough's a damn good. You're st- watching the that game last night. I'm just seeing how much better the back end is of both teams than what the Avalanche were able to put out there. And not to bring everything, circle everything back around to the Avalanche, but hey, that is our team. That's the that's the only Colorado team that I live and die by when they actually win and lose something. So I I got to continue to bring it back to them. McDonough, Sergachev, Headman for Tampa Bay, and then Weber, uh, Gallagher is a, a forward, but they're four pillars of defense. Petrie, all those guys, and then Romanov too. You, you realize that the Habs put in another guy who's like a first year, you know, hey, it's elimination game of the Stanley Cup final. Go out there, you're going to play some defense, and the kid scored. Romanov in his first NHL playoff game scored a goal from the blue line, no less. I don't I don't know what to make of it really. I mean, I I think I agree with you that I don't think Tampa would have enjoyed it as much if they won the cup last night. That being said, now that they've opened the door a little bit, this this is what Montreal has experienced all playoffs. Toronto opened the door just slightly and they kicked that fucker in. It's three zero. It was three zero. I know the three one lead was different. Three zero. You gotta climb yourself out of a hole two more times, or yeah, because you did it once. You had to do it three times. You only gotta dig yourself out of a hole twice when it comes to three-one leads. Because when it comes to Game Seven, you're coming back for three-one. All the momentum is on your side. Three-one, mm. you still gotta come back out of the hole. You're going into Tampa Bay now. You're not at home in front of your fans in front of your home country. You're going down about a thousand miles south. And, and playing in the warm weather of Tampa Bay, Florida. So this is a completely – this ain't going to play Toronto, who, who, who is the, cho- the, the choke artist of all choke artists. This is the Tampa Bay Lightning, the reigning Stanley Cup champions. We could throw Vegas in there. Let's throw Vegas in there just because I'm feeling spiteful. This isn't Vegas either. This is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, a couple other things before we move on from game five. Some other things that I was found researching. The Lightning haven't lost back-to-back games in the Stanley Cup playoffs, I think, since the first round of last season's playoffs back in the bubble. So good luck beating Andre Vasilevsky two times in a row if you're a Habs fan. Um, You mentioned that their families couldn't travel to Montreal, so it wouldn't have been fun to celebrate anyways. And if they win tomorrow, they could have the parade Saturday. Nobody's got to miss work. The whole city of Tampa Bay can come out to the the parade. And I don't even know – I don't know if they've decided if they're going to do a boat parade again. They could. Maybe. The boat parade, the success on the boat parade twice, you got to do it again. Because between the Buccaneers yeah. boat parade and the Lightning boat parade, the, the, the first Lightning boat parade wasn't as lit as it could have been. The Tampa Bay boat, boat parade was as lit because it was more open and – or sorry, well, I said Tampa. The Buccaneers boat parade was – all right. Uh, we did a little bit of a Chinese fire drill. I mean, we're not sitting in person and we missed that. So we decided we might as well move ourselves around on the screen. 
Um, but we got our technical issues figured out because, you know, we've been dealing with them long enough. 40, 48 episodes in, we do, we just know how to adapt and overcome. Um, it's been a while since we had a, we had a malfunction. So it, it, it's, it was due. <laughs> it was it, due. Yeah. We, like I said, we have like a sign back here, a virtual, like a mental sign for all of our listeners days since technical difficulties, knock that back down to zero, but Hey, well now we can start a new streak. Um, but we were talking about the boat parade for Tampa Bay. Cause they haven't decided if they're going to do that one again, you were making the point that maybe they ought to stick with it because it's been pretty lucky so far. Uh, I would I would have to agree with you. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, there's there's not many many places that you can do that, and Tampa Bay is easily one of those spots. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about I mean, LA could probably do it. Florida could do it. I know where Florida could do it. Like it's, it's it's unique, and why not do it again? Because how much fun Tom Brady had with the Buccaneers. Imagine a fully capacitated. Stanley Cup, uh, Stanley Cup parade in Tampa Bay now because it was only half capacity when you did it. I think it was October. Yeah, they won the cup in September, so the parade would have would have been like uh, early October. I'm pretty sure. So it was still warm. You know, it's Tampa Bay. You you, still warm. Exactly. Yeah. Now it'd be during the warm, hot summer. It'd be it, it would be electric. So I would I would expect a bell parade. I'd be disappointed. Just do me a favor. Don't throw a Stanley Cup because because that thing is a little bit heavier than the Lombardi. That yeah. thing is that that thing. I mean, look, we'll we'll have the discussion on on the greatest trophy in all of sports, but the Stanley Cup is like seventy five fucking pounds. The, the Lombardi Trophy is like fifteen. Yeah. This ain't no little huck. So don't throw the Stanley Cup. Whatever you do, the Kita Kucherov's got a. Uh hold off on those vodka shots while he's on the boat because he's like, oh, no, I can toss. I'll toss cup from boat to boat. I'll do this. And he's no, don't do that. No, uh, no, 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 don't, don't, do don't do that. <laughs> One other thing, they mentioned the, or I, I think I saw this on Twitter this morning or they mentioned it on the broadcast last night. You know, since Gary Bettman has become commissioner, that started the whole Canadian curse, quote unquote. We might have to add this to like a factor cap segment soon because is there a possibility that Gary Bettman's that's the only thing Gary Bettman has done that's been good. <laughs> that's, oh. the only, that's the only positive that's happened is that the, the, the cup is in its homeland. It's in, it's in the States where hockey is 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 becoming America's sport. Actually, it's not. I'm totally capping on that. But, it's, I mean, that's the only thing Bettman has done good. I was going to say, I didn't realize. I mean, it must be that, that time of night. I didn't realize that the gloves were already off. We're already throwing those shots at our Canadian listeners. Come on. They like us. We were the only ones given. Well, I was the only one giving Montreal any credit that they can maybe push this thing to six games. They, sh- they should like us. Come on. Um, uh, some the other... only one that still believes that can go six games. Oh, Habs and six. Habs and six. Come on. It it's not possible anymore. But, hey. Um other miscellaneous NHL news, just some stuff that we didn't talk about last week. Kale McCarr finished nine votes away from winning his first Norris Trophy. And uh, honestly, I was thinking about it. It might be a blessing in disguise that he didn't end up winning it because, you know, contract negotiations. If he's a Norris Trophy winner, I think that bumps his price tag even more than what it's already going to be. He's already he's going to get that future Hall of Famer deal. I mean, I think he's a guy that you probably keep around if you're going to build your your franchise and make sure that they're going to continue to be competitive, he's definitely a guy that you need. But 
that's still pretty damn impressive. I think he missed 16 games in the regular season and had nine votes less, nine less first place votes than Fox from New York, who ended up winning the Norris Trophy. So that's yeah, a hell of a yeah. season. The the Calder McCarr Trophy. I mean, he got the Rookie of the Year. Now the the um, now the best defenseman in the NHL. It will be on the horizon. I guarantee you that Kale is Kale is a different animal. Mm-hmm. Let's just put it that way. He is a different animal, and he is he is unreal. Yeah, it's almost. I know it sounds like we're saying that just because we're Avalanche fans, but I listen to other hockey guys. I had other conversations with hockey guys on this network. The dude's just that good. Nobody backskates the blue line and then makes other NHL caliber players fall down. Kale McCart does that pretty much once a month. Go ask the Minnesota forward who was trying to cover. Yeah, go ask the Minnesota forward who was trying to cover him during the regular season and ended up on his face. It's just not an easy thing to do. Um, so I, I thought that was pretty impressive. McKinnon didn't end up winning the. Uh, I think he was up for the Hart or the Lindsay, one of the two. McDavid ended up winning both of those awards. And then Grubauer yeah. got snubbed for the Vesna, and Andre Fleury won his first. Fleury it was it was due, and and McDavid. Only two players in NHL history have ever won the uh, MVP trophy, the Hart Trophy, with getting every single vote. Mm-hmm. Connor McDavid this year, and Wayne Gretzky. That's that's pretty good company. I'll tell you that that's pretty good company. Yeah, I heard that Wayne Gretzky guy was good at hockey. Like, he was okay. I guess, yeah, I guess. He might have been okay. <laughs> He's just the great one. But um, And then not to bring us down a whole level, it's an, an, an unfortunate story, but uh, Columbus, Columbus Blue Jackets goaltender Matthias Kiflenix, uh, he ended up actually dying tragically over the 4th of July weekend. Uh, he was hanging out with his friends, and there was an errant firework and accidentally hit him in the chest when he was sitting in the hot tub. Uh, and he unfortunately succumbed to his injury. So that's kind of a somber story over what's been I mean, as, as bad as I think the NBC sports broadcasts and everything like that are. Uh, it's been a very entertaining Stanley Cup playoff run, especially seeing the buildings get filled again. This was almost cathartic, I feel like, for a lot of hockey fans and sports fans in general, because Stanley Cup finals or Stanley Cup playoffs kind of set the precedent for how that whole thing was going to go, because they had more capacity earlier on than the NBA did. Now, I mean, that we'll talk about the NBA here in just a second, but that arena was electric. So um, for as good as the playoff stories has been, this is just a little bit of a, a dark weekend that ended up happening with uh, Matias yeah. Kovlenics. Yeah, I mean, 4th of July weekend, you just got to be safe. I know we didn't really talk about it last week, but the JPP incident comes to mind. As many jokes as we want to make about the three fingers, it's, it's important to have fun, but be safe while you can. So, unfortunately, the fortunate passing of him, it was great, all the tributes that came in. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, there was – the police did come out and ensure that there was no foul play involved. It was just – an accident, which is very common on on that holiday, and I know it's a whole bunch of fun to go light off bottle rockets in in the driveway and everything like that. There are some consequences, especially if you're going to be going super crazy with them like that. So uh, let's move on now, because I know you were excited that the NBA Finals started. This is your Super Bowl. That's what we'll say. This is your Super Bowl. Uh, but let's go back to the semifinal round first, because both those series ended in six games. The, the Hawks lose to the Bucks, and the Suns end up overcoming the Clippers. Let's talk about the Clippers. What happens with them? Because we are talking about this on the two-year anniversary of Kawhi 
signing to go join PG-13. So what, what's going on with the Clippers now that Kawhi is a free agent once again? I think, I think Kawhi is going to keep his options open. Because, look, if the Clippers had Kawhi, there's a good argument that they should have been in the finals. Let's be honest here. But does Kawhi want to live with that uncertainty? Or does he want to go to the other L.A. team that he was supposed to go to in the first place and go play for Lakers or go in Miami, go play with Bam and Jimmy with a destined program that that you played in the finals before that is a great culture, obviously, or go build another super team somewhere else. Because are we forgetting that Damian Lillard wants out? Or t- I mean, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Kawhi and Damian Lillard pairing, if the Knicks just, I mean, I talk about the Knicks because the Knicks have the cap to do this. The Knicks wanted to pull off a trade for Damian Lillard. Who's to say, okay, Damian and Kawhi meet up the summer and be like, let's go play in New York together. I mean, that's, that's crazy, but the Knicks have the young pieces that they can send to Portland's way. You can send quickly over there. You can send R.J. Barrett, or you can throw Obi Toppin over there. One of those three pieces, two of them or three of them, can all go to Poland's way, and that's one of the best offers they can take. And if Dame does want out, I think Kawhi him could end up teaming up because we are realizing something in the playoffs especially that you, you cannot – the success rate of teams, you need to have a combo of a forward and guard or forward and, and big man. LeBron AD had it last year. That's what made them successful. Jimmy Butler, bam, that's why they're successful. This year, it's Giannis and Drew Holiday. Or Brooke Lopez. Obviously, Chris Milton falls in that play, but Drew Holiday was an absolute stud. Talk about, obviously, the Suns. Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. Douglas Paul, guard in that position as well. You need to have a solid guard, and I'm going to tell you right now, Reggie Jackson, as much as as great as he was, I don't know if Reggie Jackson can do that on a consistent basis. I love what he did. The guy, like I said, we were talking about last week, the dude was unbelievable. He he, he came from Fort Collins. I mean, it's 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 incredible story for him. He played well. It's a heartfelt thing, but if you're Kawhi Leonard and you see an opportunity where you could have Julius Randle as your big man, and you have a point guard, Damian Lillard, that's a top two team in the East. Maybe three. Like, at, at least three or four. That's a home team in the East, no doubt about it. New York already hosted a playoff series this year. And and if, if that scenario comes up, I think Kawhi jumps at that because we talked about it last week. Paul George is a Batman, and, and he cannot he, – he, he plays well when he's by himself. But when you put him on the floor as the second guy, he doesn't know how to play as the second guy. That's, that's the scenario because he knows how to play like a Batman. But Kawhi Leonard can take over series. Paul George can win you ball games. Kawhi Leonard can win you playoff series. So I don't know. Maybe the Clippers need to, need to try to fit a scenario where they can sign and trade Kawhi somewhere and try to get a guard back for PG, maybe a Russell Westbrook of, t- of sorts, because a Ru- because PG and Russ had that success in OKC together, and that's when PG was at his best. He was a top three MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. So I could see a scenario where that happens. Um, Kawhi scenario, it was just weird that he was injured and he wasn't on the bench. That never happens in the NBA. If you're injured and you're in the NBA, you're either- watching the game in the back 
or you're on the bench. You you don't ever see a guy sitting in the stands, even though he's with his family. You he like you don't see a guy in the stands. That's just that's just plain and simple. Did he sit on? He sat on the bench when he did this whole injured thing in San Antonio too, right? He was down yeah, on the bench with the guys because, because it was Greg Popovich. Yeah. And Greg Popovich was not going to let that stand because that's because that's the, that's uncertainty with the organization mm-hmm. because it, wh- where is the leadership of saying you either are going to be on the bench with your team or you're going to be sitting in the back. You don't go sit up there with the fans. If you're, I mean, because there was rumors that he's not happy with the medical staff. That's where the whole San Antonio thing came into play in the first place, where he got traded to Toronto. Mm-hmm. He was not happy with the San Antonio training staff because he felt as though that he was healthy. Well, here we are again. And Kawhi's a free agent. So, in the Clippers, their championship window is almost all the way shut. Let's put it that way. Yeah. From where it was, like, I remember sitting here and I listened to part of my take, and that's how I learned about the Paul George or the Paul George and Kawhi super team that the Clippers built. And I was like, oh, that's pretty impressive. Like, on paper, you'd think that they would be a Western Conference final team. Maybe they added a piece here. It was a two-year contract, so maybe you don't expect it from them the first year. But at least in the second year, they'll figure some things out and maybe get things rolling. Ended up in the conference final, but I'd say – in more of a fluky fashion than than anything, but like Steve Ballmer's, I would not want to play for Steve Ballmer's organization. I love the energy, I love the focus. Dude is not in the right job, or or he's not doing the job the right way. Governor NBA governors don't do what he, that guy does. He is a super fan. That's that's like that is Jack Nicholas for the Lakers. That is Spike Lee to the Knicks. That is not the owner. The owner of a championship organization, look at Mark Cuban. He chirps the fuck out of the refs. He he gets pissed off. He says he but he protects his players. Mm-hmm. And he and he and he gets excited for things, but he's a player's first guy. And Ballmer, outside of the pretty damn cool speech two years ago, I don't see that. I just don't. Yeah, yeah. I would that's kind of why. In my mind, if I was Kawhi, that's why I wouldn't want to be on the bench because that guy's like 10 feet over on the courtside seats doing whatever he was doing with his buddies that he brought to the game. Uh, you know, I don't, it's like, I don't want to score a basket because I'm going to score a basket. My owner's going to jump up and he's going to start patting his friends on the legs. That's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, let's, let's talk about the other team out of the Western Conference semifinals because it has to be mentioned Chris Paul can move if he wants to this is this is the last like he only had one year in phoenix for sure what are you seeing with cp3 do you think he stays with monty and what they've built or he's he's got a buddy that's going to be in a blockbuster in a couple weeks and and is looking for teammates he's not leaving i'm telling you right now he's not leaving there's there's 0.15 actually i won't go that low i'll say about five percent chance he leaves if they win he stays if they lose, he more def- most definitely stays. It's it's because look, Matthew Williams was the coach after when he was in New Orleans. His or CP3's first head coach was Byron Scott. Byron Scott obviously had his ups and downs when he coached the, the Hornets and who, the, who who are now the Pelicans. I know weird, but the Hornets um, at the time, and then Monty Williams took over. Monty Williams held on that job, and CP3 got traded to the Clippers. 
Monty Williams was kind of a roamer around the league because because he was he knew how to coach certain teams and he wasn't a rebuilding type of coach. Mm-hmm. When he came to Phoenix, he said, "Okay, I got young talent. I got a bunch of young guns. Now I just need a veteran presence in this locker room, and that's gonna take this team over." That's exactly what Chris Paul is. Because Chris Paul stepped right in. He knew he knew Monty Williams' scheme, playoff scheme, and how they win games, and they, it was a match made in heaven. I don't think Chris Paul wants to leave. I think the only scenario where he would leave is if the Lakers come knocking. And they and the Lakers and the Lakers say, Chris Paul, come play with your buddy. That's mm-hmm. the only scenario I see him leaving. He he is not in the point of his career where he's going to team up with a super team. He's either going to stay where he's at because he has a chance to win a championship there, or he has won a championship there, or he's going to go team up with a guy that he's wanted to team up with his whole career in LeBron. That's the only two scenarios I see for Chris Paul. I think he is he is a, he's going to finish his career out in the Suns almost. If not, well, most of it, the rest, next three or four years, he's going to be in a Suns uniform. I'm not intentionally raining on your parade, Suns fans. I'm just thinking that LeBron X factor, especially for a guy who's a known friend of LeBron James, if he recruits you, like, I almost feel like he uh, stalked Anthony Davis until he decided, yeah, you know what? Los Angeles is actually a very good place that I would like to be, be moved to. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're already hearing the rumors about Melo going to the Lakers. Please, well, please, that would be an epic them, meltdown. Please, there's there there's two of the four of the Banana Boat crew. <laughs> there's one retired and one still playing. So Chris Paul, opportunity knocking to play with your three buddies, and then I guess you get D Wade out of the out of his retirement, and you can make the whole Banana Boat crew to get back together. But you can get three out of the four in LA. That's the only way I see Chris Paul leaving. Hey, hey, Chris, you want to recreate Uncle Drew where we're all 40 years old and playing basketball together? Yeah, come on, let's go do that. Um, but in, in seriousness now, what am I missing? As a, not a basketball guy, what's the difference that Chris Paul actually brings to this Suns team that took him from undefeated in the bubble, not even making the playoff play-in game last year, to now winning game one of the NBA Finals? I, I'm going to say this. It's not Chris Paul's necessary leadership. Chris Paul didn't teach Devin Booker to shoot the ball. Newsflash, Devin Booker could shoot the ball before Chris Paul got there. Newsflash, DeAndre Aiden was another one pick for a reason. <laughs> Chris Paul is enhancing the team. He is bringing out the best in everybody. He is saying, okay, if you buy into what you are going to do on the floor, we can be successful. Mm-hmm. He is telling DeAndre Aiden, if you want to pick and roll, you're either going to get the lob or you're going to draw a double team and it's going to give me an open shot. He's telling Devin Booker, I'm going to have the ball in my hands, but with my playmaking ability, I'm going to get you open shots so you don't need to force things like he has in the past. Guys like Mikael Bridges, Cameron Payne. Cameron Payne is a guy who was tossed around the league for four or five years. And he finally got his shots, and he is a solidified backup point guard now in this league. Mm-hmm. There's, they're buying into the system, and Chris Ball is, is, is bringing that competitive advantage to it. Because the dude is hungry. Dude is hungry. That is the one thing he doesn't have, or I mean, you can count MVP trophy in there, but he's never was in that conversation. He, that is one of the trophies he never got. He has an Olympic gold medal. He just doesn't have an NBA championship. And he is in year, I think, 16, 17 now. And he is seeing – because, look, those Clippers teams were successful. 
they just ran into better teams. Mm -hmm. He is seeing an opportunity and telling the people around him and leading that team in a way that makes the players play to a certain level. Because when you have players that are, that are buying into their teammates getting better and making sure that I know I'm going to get mine, but I'm going to make sure everybody else gets theirs too, that's going to make them successful. And people want to say, well, the Suns got a Mickey Mouse trip to the NBA Finals. You faced Lakers without AD, you faced the Nuggets without Jamal, and you faced the Clippers without, uh, with, without Kawhi. And, I mean, you look, Giannis is playing. If they win, it is undoubtedly their championship because they they beat everybody you put in front of them and they dominate all the way through. And Chris Paul, the way he does on the floor and getting those kids up another level. That's that's why we talk about in in, in um, hockey. Like we talk about hockey. Why does why why is it such a big thing to have a veteran guy on a team? It's not what he's going to do offensively or defensively. It's the locker room presence of being like, you know what, boys, we just got to win one game at a time. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul has never gotten to the finals. He has gotten close, but he's never gotten to the finals. He knows what it takes and see what it takes from other teams to take it one game at a time, and that's what he's instilling into this younger team. Yeah, it doesn't – this is not a young team because most of those guys have never been this far into the playoffs, Chris Paul included. But this isn't a young team that you feel they're – I watched a good portion of the game tonight. I didn't ever feel like the Suns were pressing. In fact, I think they, they relaxed, and in that third quarter, they opened up an 18-point lead on Milwaukee. They're, they're the anomaly because they shouldn't be as calm as they are, but they, yet you look at the matchup, and they're not the ones pressed for doing anything. The pressure is totally on Milwaukee's side. And I think as a Suns fan, and I know a lot of our listeners are Suns fans based on where you went to college and where I have a couple buddies that live now, this would be one of the more, I would say you're still nervous because you want your team to win, but this is one of the easier NBA finals that you could have ever hoped for. You're not going against LeBron. You're not going against Steph and the Golden State Warriors. You're not going against KD, Kyrie, and the super team they built up in Brooklyn. You're going against basically a very comparable team to you, but also a team that doesn't have that same kind of experience. But before we talk about the Bucks, let's talk about those Atlanta Hawks. What are you, what are you feeling as an Atlanta Hawks fan after the season that they had? Because this was, this was gravy, right? Where they ended up was gravy. They shouldn't have been there. If you were a Hawks fan, you are sitting exactly like I am right now with my nuggets. You outperformed what you should have done. Everyone thought you were going to lose the first round to the Knicks, and then you surprise the Knicks, and then you take down the mighty Philadelphia 76ers, and it just wasn't your time yet. It just wasn't. The Hawks have some question marks now because what you do with John Collins, you, they have young pieces that are going to be absolute animals. Cam Reddish, oh my word. Trey Young did not have a game five or game six, was it? He did not have it all. Cam Reddish put up 20 points, dude. But this dude is a second-year guy. He was the next guy after Zion at Duke. Everyone was like, Cam Reddish is, is going to be this dude. He's going to be an animal. He's mm-hmm. going to be this, this guy that everybody's going to keep their eyes on. And he finally blossomed into something. And the dude is going to be special. Look, Atlanta, look, Atlanta's got a great core. Talk about – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compare this to the Nuggets because I can. Trey Young was Jamal Murray last year in the bubble. Cam Reddish, Michael Porter Jr. 
Jokic, I'm not Jokic is far and away better than Capella, but you have a big man in Capella that can shut down the middle and John Collins. That is their that's so it's very, very similar trajectories, Atlanta and Denver. Now you just gotta get those young guys back the experience now. You just gotta keep that group together and build upon that. And then when you build upon that, then you become more contenders in the East and you can win those game sixes like you did. Trey Young was just I mean, he was hobbling around. He, he, you could tell he was not himself. He was not feeling himself. And it's unfortunate that these playoffs have had so many injuries. But the Hawks' future is very, very bright. And, yeah. and, and, and kudos to them. They locked up Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan did an incredible job after taking over for that Hawks team because he, he was the interim coach. Hmm. He was the interim coach. They fired their head coach after the second week of the season. And he steps in and turns his whole team around, season around, and gets up to the Eastern Conference Finals. He is the perfect coach for that team, and they have a very, very bright future. What's that piece that they're missing? What are they going to have to go out this summer and get to push them to that next level? Or do you think maybe it takes a couple years for them to actually get to that next level? I'm going to say it's very similar to what Michael Porter Jr. Get Cam Reddish to that next level. Get Cam Reddish into that star that he can be. And then move John Collins into a position where he can be that Jeremy Grant type player, where he can guard one through five. Get because John Collins is a damn good offensive threat, and he's a pretty good defensive player. Capella can hold down the middle. Now you just need a guy like John Collins to be able to guard whoever their other team's best player is on the wing, and then you're all set. And the same with Cam Reddish, develop him because it's a similar scenario. I don't see a lot of flaws outside of just getting your young guys experience and going like the Denver Nuggets because Jamal Murray needed to get going. It's unfortunate we missed him. Michael Porter Jr. got his minutes and we saw what Yoke did this year. You get those guys quality minutes and experience. You're going to have those experiences. Cause look, Giannis got his ass kicked in the playoffs for three, four years. Mm. He got his ass kicked. People were like, man, he's got to leave. I hope he leaves. I hope he goes to Miami. Including myself. I said I hope he goes to Miami because it was Milwaukee. But he has he's, – he's stuck with it. You got to quote, unquote – I know this is a weird thing to say because the 76ers didn't do it and they're falling for it. But you got to trust the process. Yeah. The 76ers are in the process of starting the process over. Yeah, you got to trust the process. And that's what the Hawks have to do to take to the next level. I would say out of any other of the other Atlanta sports, this has just got to feel like you might as well just throw a parade because you got the proverbial monkey off that city's back. Hopefully let's knock on wood, depending on how the Atlanta Falcons season goes and uh, how the Braves end up. But that seems like they, I feel like that's what that team was doing, upsetting the Knicks and then going and upsetting Philadelphia, the two biggest sports markets. And by the way, you know, Philadelphia used to be in that same situation. It's kind of like beating your former self to make yourself better. I was really impressed by Atlanta. That's why I wanted to talk about them a little bit before we got to the actual game one of the NBA finals. The uh, Phoenix Phoenix Suns do take a 1-0 lead beating Milwaukee. I'm pulling up the score here because I didn't uh, didn't do my due due diligence. 118-105, Phoenix won game one. Uh, and really, I mean, that, that game was close until the third quarter, and then Phoenix just opened it up a little bit, and, and Milwaukee yeah. couldn't keep up. Yeah, I mean, look, Phoenix, Chris Paul, Devin Booker just took over. They just, they said, okay, we're, we're, we're there ain't a soul over there that can guard us. Both mm-hmm. of us. 
because Drew Holiday's a damn good defender. Don't get me wrong. Drew Holiday is a damn good defender. I, I, I still wish he was a Denver Nugget because I think he, we would have been in the finals if we had Drew Holiday in our young core, whatever. But he is a damn good defender, but he's only one guy. Guys like Bryn Forbes and, 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 and Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton is a great offensive threat. He is not a known defender. Those guys cannot slow down Devin Booker and Chris Paul. We saw scenarios tonight or on Tuesday night where the, the Suns' offense was very simple. They looked at the defense and said, okay, who is Brooke Lopez guarding? Who is Bryn Forbes guarding? And whoever that guy was, they sent that guy on a pick and made them switch. And they said, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, go cook Brooke Lopez. And they did. They cooked him all yeah. night. All night. Brooke Lopez had a hell of a series in the conference finals. He was balling out, man. But the, the Suns exposed him. What we saw in the th- in the end of the fourth quarter there, one of the reasons why the Bucks were somewhat in the game a little bit at the end was because they moved Giannis back to the five. And I think there's a good scenario where we have that going on because the Bucks lineup of Brooke Lopez, Giannis, uh, Milton, Drew Holiday, and I believe it's either Forbes or um, – oh, I can't think of the name. Um, that's, their, that's their lineup. You have mismatches. You could you could expose Atlanta, but but because their guard because they only had one guy on the guard play, they they were very top heavy outside of Trey Young up front. They were not back heavy. You are facing a Suns team with arguably the best backcourt in basketball right now, and you have one guy that can only guard one of those guys. You have to have Milton or Giannis step up and be that scenario because we saw and th- and then you're running into the 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 bad part also is when the Bucks have to take Brooke Lopez out the floor because he's a defensive liability, what do they do? They give the ball to 22, and he just pummels you inside. DeAndre Aiden, this kid, man, he is – we are – look, people want to say that the Suns, that DeAndre Aiden was a bust because they didn't take Luka. I'll tell you right now, if the Suns had Luka, they wouldn't be doing this. DeAndre Aiden is the perfect fit. It is the perfect fit. DeAndre Aiden is a big man in the middle that is going to crash the boards, that is going to set good pick and rolls. He is going to demand you to guard him on the pick and roll, because, and that opens so many lanes up for different guys. And when, what we saw in game one, I expect the Bucs to make some changes, to make some, some moves to, to defensively-wise to slow down the pick and roll because Brooke Lopez cannot – defensively be out there when Chris Paul and Devin Booker are on the floor because they're going to make sure he is life is hell. There's a chance where you could put throw Brooke Lopez at the two or sorry, in the second group and, and have him be that presence because we saw Dario Saric go down with Phoenix. Phoenix does not have any backup bigs. Mm-hmm. Frank, the tank committee is their backup center. The guy that would throw a beer to the moon <laughs> after they celebrate the West Coast finals. Like they don't have backup bigs back there. It's DeAndre Aiden, and that's it. So I think we could see a scenario where he comes off the bench, see Giannis move to the five, and make scenarios there. Because, but, man, i got to give kudos to Giannis. Giannis took every pill in the book. I've ju- I know that I'm exaggerating here, but Giannis looked like a man on a freaking mission. This is not this – this or when we recorded last week was the, game, was the day that Giannis got injured. And he had hyperextended his knee. Everyone thought he was done for the season. We're game one, and Giannis is flying around. And I mean flying around. He is up and down, up and down. 
and the dude looks like it, it's the it's literally the Kevin Nash meme where he's in a cast, he untucks the blanket, mm-hmm. stands right back up, and he's fine. <laughs> like Giannis is gonna like I'm I'm because Giannis makes is is he's a different type of athletic. Yeah, he's and, a he's a different he's the Greek freak for a reason. By the way, he's the only one out of the starting five for Milwaukee to finish plus one. Everybody else was minus ten plus. So it wasn't on Giannis. Giannis is doing everything he can to carry this Bucks roster, what's left of it, to the finals. And, man, he scored 20 points and had 17 rebounds, and it still wasn't even close to enough. It's sad. I mean, he oh, – man, think about this for a second. Giannis is 26 years old. If the Bucks win the NBA title, by the age of 26, Giannis will have one, two MVPs. Four-time All-Star and an NBA champion and and multiple first-team All-NBAs. He will have won nearly every single trophy humanly possible. He's won Defensive Player of the Year, too. Excuse me, sorry. Mm -hmm. He's won Defensive Player of the Year, and he'll have won almost every single trophy by the age of 26. That is just wild. We, we could have a conversation. This is very, very early to be saying this. I know. We could be having a conversation of Giannis being the greatest international player in NBA history. Right now, that, that, that right is deserved to the likes of Dirk Nowitzki and Patrick – or not Patrick Geary, excuse me, Hakeem Olajuwon. Those, that's, that, those are the two guys right now that are staples of international players being the best, the best international players of all time. Giannis – could very well be in that conversation. I mean, Luca could be too. But Giannis, at the end of his career, could very well be at the top of that list. Yeah, and speaking of Luca, to wrap up some of the basketball conversation that we're having in international basketball news, Luca and uh, Vlako Chanchar off the juice. Shout out Vlako. <laughs> uh, they led Slovenia to their first Olympic berth. So they will actually be competing against the U.S. team. And then, you know, the myriad of other players that are going to go back to their home countries and play. Are you excited to see what Slovenia does in the Olympics? Do you think that it's not going to matter? We're going to see a real-life Space Jam. It it is going to be (laughs) Luka Doncic. And no offense to Vlako, but Vlako is the second option over there. (laughs) That is not a good thing. And and when they play Team USA, oh, man. I know everybody listening probably watched The Last Dance or the, the Dream Team documentary. I have now seen that doc- documentary, by the way. The Dream Team documentary is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And when they play Tony Kukoc, oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking Jordan and Pippen just went at him. I'm telling you right now, KD and, and, and uh, Bradley Beal and all these guys are just going to go at Luka because they can because they got nothing else. So – I'm going to feel bad for Luca. Hopefully he stays healthy, knock on wood, no injuries. But it's cool that they made it. I, I just think it's hilarious because watching all these guys in the NBA, all these role players, it tells you how good a level of basketball is in the NBA. Guys like Vlaco, guys like Boban, or Mo Wagner, who doesn't get any minutes in the NBA, he's fucking dropping 25 a night in these mm-hmm. qualifiers. That just shows you the talent. I mean, we talk about the joke of Brian Scott Brini, the white mamba and everything. He was so on point when this high schooler was talking trash to him. He told this high schooler that tried to 1v1 him. Brian Scott Brini, by the way, 21-0'd him. 
killed him. He said, I'm closer to LeBron than you are closer to me. Mm-hmm. And that's facts. Oh, yeah. These role players are just on a different level. Like, I, I remember, like, Chris, like, I don't think Chris Birdman, he is a good three point shooter. Like, I know it's weird to say, I've seen him sit. Like in my in my home court, sit and knock twelve threes in a row down. He shot one, or I think he had a total of like two career NBA threes that went in. These guys are just like look. You like we talk about NFL, NBA doesn't matter. If you are a professional at any level, you are the top of the top. Don't fuck with these guys because they are a different level. It's a 0.001% of the top 1% of any athlete that plays anything makes it to the professional level. So, yeah, Brian, if you play Brian Scalbrini in some rec center, he's going to steal your shoes because that's what they played for. It's like, those are sweet shoes. I'm going to play you for them, and I'm going to drop 21 on you, and I'm going to walk out of here. That's that. I think that's the best example of it, but... I don't know. By the way, I think that's my favorite part of both the Last Dance and the Dream Team documentary is when they talk about how much of a just complete dicks Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan were to that guy. All because yeah, Jerry Krause cool. liked him. They were like, no, no, that guy. That guy is good. Life is going to be miserable. <laughs> Charles Barkley was like, guys, lighten up. Take it easy. Charles Barkley, when Charles Barkley tells you to lighten up, that's what you know it's bad. Yeah, the guy who elbowed an Angolan who was just trying to say good game was like, you know what? Be nice to Tony Kukoc. Tony Kukoc doesn't deserve it. He did it. nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong. The poor guy did nothing wrong. No, even in Kukoc, that's, he, in the Dream Team documentary, he's, he's like, my teammates were looking at me like, what'd you do? What, what's going on? These guys are just killing you. What's what, did you like hang out with their wife? What? And Kukoc is like, some fat guy came and talked to me, and now these two are just on my back constantly. Uh man. All right, let's uh let's get into the break because we're coming up on about that time. Let's hear from fanatics, and then when we come back, we'll have all of our segments plus factor cap. That's it's not cap. It's coming back this week. And we got another goat that we're talking about during that. But that's coming up here on the far end of the bench here on the Unhinged Sports Network. Both ends, only one can leave. Hold on, wait a minute. That's not what we agreed on. This isn't a death match. What are you talking about? This isn't a death match. This is not? This is just our podcast. What, what's our podcast called? Our podcast is the Dago Express. I told you this. All of this in an email. Oh, yeah. I don't check it. Why don't you check? Why did you give me your email if you're not going to check your email? Well, it's just nice to give somebody something to write down. I thought you just wanted something to write down. No, that's not at all what I wanted you to do. Okay, well, tell me more about this podcast. This podcast is just a bunch of random nonsense. Me and you having a conversation with the microphone. That's all it is. Okay, and when can I listen to this podcast? Tuesdays at 11 a.m. And is it just going to be one place? No, it'll be on all your streaming platforms. So it's two brothers. Both enter. One microphone. See what happens. Yeah, I like that a lot better. Yeah, that's nice. We'll go with that. Benchwarmers of the Unhinged Sports Network, we have business to tend to. We are still partnered with Fanatics, the home for any kind of sports merchandise that you can think of. 
And Nico, tell the people what they can find if they go to the Fanatics app in our bio at FEOTB Pod. We got so much stuff you can get off Fanatics right now. NBA playoffs are about to start. NHL playoffs are starting as well. Both teams, you can get any of your gear from Fanatics. Go get your jersey of a fair team. If your team wins a cup, go get your Fanatics gear. Go get go get the championship gear on Fanatics. Excuse me. Um, we have baseball starting up as well. Our Rockies aren't the best, but you know what? There's All-Star Game gear on Fanatics. So if you're in the Colorado area, you want to go get um, some All-Star Game gear, go to the Fanatics, our Fanatics shop. And as well, man, the NFL draft just started. I know Jimmy's got his Joe Burrow jersey. Why don't you go get a Jamar Chase one now, those icy whites, or go get yourself a Trevor Lawrence jersey, Justin Fields, or even if you're a Bronco fan, get you a Patrick Tan number two. Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff. If you're a sports fan and you're not getting merchandise from Fanatics, I don't know what you're waiting for at this point. The best place to get all geared up, anything that you could want, any sport, any team, and it helps out the Unhinged Sports Network as well. Recording in progress. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you guys for tuning in to the far end of the bench here on the Unhinged Sports Network. And uh, be sure to hit up that Fanatics link. There's great stuff. We, we say it all the time, but I got stuff, Bengals stuff from Fanatics. Nico gets stuff from Fanatics. Nico might get a shirt for the All-Star game from Fanatics. There's, there's a lot of good merchandise out there. The jerseys, the hats, not so much. But you can go get the – there's a fire shirt. They have 5280 All-Star shirts. They have uh, – um, they have the Colorado flag shirts. You can all get that on Fanatics. It, it, there's so many fire deals. Even if you don't want to necessarily get an all-star jersey, there's still stuff for everyone. And no shade there, MLB, but a little bit of shade. And Nike. You guys could have done bit. better. All right, let's let's uh, let's get into bench warmer of the week. And since mine's a baseball guy, I'll go ahead and put that out there. Bryce Harper, him and his $330 million contract is still not on the all-star roster ever since he went to Philadelphia. You know, I don't know if the hopper was only a thing in Washington, but man, talk about making yourself look like a locker room cancer. You leave and they win a world series and then your new team has no success. That's just tough, man. That is just tough. Yeah. The, the guy's had a pretty good season. Don't get me wrong. He's had a pretty good season. I was, I mean, Mookie bets cause he's Mookie got in. But, like, Bryce Harper has had a pretty good season. The Phillies just aren't that great. Give him a little bit of slight. It's, they're in, the, in, a, in the NL, where there's so much good outfielders, so many good, out, so much, so many good outfielders, it is a little bit tougher. So I will give him a little bit of leeway. It's not as bad as the Bobby Bonilla deal. I mean, like, it's, it, like it, he, he got paid big time, but, I mean – yeah, I think Bryce Harper's always been the easy target, too. I mean, it was, he was the young kid who came into the league, and now it's just easy since he hasn't actually made an all-star team since he's moved there and got all that money. Because that was the other thing. Like, Washington fans hate him because they were like, why can't you just, just take a little bit of a pay cut? We can go win World Series if you just take a little bit of a pay cut. And he didn't. They went and world, won a World Series, so he's got a lot of crow on his face. As much but, as hey, the Mets, yeah. though. Yeah, he had that press conference though, where he did say the Nationals or something, or somebody like. The I'm Nationals just so happy to bring a championship back to Washington. Washington, I, I oh, don't Philadelphia. Nope, nope, wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> My best one of the week, pretty easy. I know I completely forgot about this last week. Completely forgot about it. It's the sign lady, the sign lady of the Tour de France. Man, are you kidding me? 
you literally wrecked 40, like, like most of the group. Majority of the group of cyclists, I think it was like four or five or something weird like that, that all just compl- that missed it. But the lady had a sign in French or German or uh, English or I don't know. Her sign was just out of the freaking weird. And she, she got her five seconds of fame and she made the whole field, all, nearly about 95% of the whole field just completely crashed and burned. It was hilarious. I can't believe I missed it last week because of all the, all, all the other um, bench over the weeks I had last year, last week. But it was that was the easiest bench over the week I've ever had. I don't understand how you can mess up a race that badly. I don't think that you need to be in the camera shot that bad. Was it worth having to go on the run from the French authorities? You know, these are all things that you should put in, you should weigh when you're trying to uh, work yourself into that situation. So, oh, so he's on the French authorities' bad side, 100%. Yeah, I think she ended up, she had to pay some sort of a fine or face up to like three weeks or a month or so in, in jail or something. I don't know. It was way, it was, uh, it was a little know. bit of yeah. overkill for what she did, but also she's an idiot. So you have to you have to set the tone. You know what I mean? You gotta set the tone. If, if if you can't let anyone else do that, like you gotta you gotta make sure that you can't punish her that badly. Because obviously it wasn't meant like meaning like she didn't mean to do it, but it was that bad enough where she could have cost some people a lot of money. Yeah. Uh so what you're saying you're telling me Adam Silver should have uh pursued the sons and four guy with the police and make him go on the run so that we wouldn't have to deal with him anymore. Oh my God. I wish I, I wish that would be like that. Yeah. We'll probably, we'll probably hear about him a little bit later on uh, in the show, but let's keep moving. Now let's go to the good side. Most dominant team of the week. Who, who's the most dominant team of the week? My most dominant team of the week, the Colorado Rockies, but at home, because we suck on the road. Holy cow, we suck on the road. But we have we are tied for the best record in baseball at home. Nine, count it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine walk-offs. Mm-hmm. In like 60, 70 games. That is a guaranteed good time in Colorado. We, I will, I will tell you one thing. I'm glad I live in Colorado because that means I don't have to watch the Rockies on the road. Because if I want to go to a game, I know it's going to be exciting. Coors Field is not just the 4th of July. Coors Field is having fireworks every single night. But when the Rockies decide to jump on that plane, go to a different city, they decide they're going to suck, <laughs> suck again. Um, it's, it, we, the Rockies, we took two out of three for the Cardinals, which felt really good, beating mm-hmm. Nolan at home. Herman almost threw a no-hitter. Herman got announced to the All-Star game. It couldn't have been a more perfect weekend, and now the Rockies are on the road until the All-Star break again. <laughs> so that kind of sucks. That means we're going we're gonna to lose some more games here <laughs> before the All-Star break and get, get ourselves in an even deeper hole. But, man, it's the Rockies at home. It's It's – Going to baseball games during the summer in the Mile High City is is fun again, to a point, <laughs> to a point, to a point. If they could figure out how to do some of these walk offs on the road, it would be a Rocktober situation 2.0 happening. They're that oh, close. I don't, I don't know if we can rally off 20 wins. <laughs> that's, that's this team is not that good enough. I mean, look, we're a lot better than people thought, including myself. I thought this team was going to be so much worse. But they're 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 outperforming their very very low expectations already. 
I expected nothing and got nothing except just a little bit. Uh, I believe if you if they were just five hundred on the road, I let's see here. So we'd be wild card team, we'd be in, in in the top of or we'd be in the race for the NLS. Yeah, right now it's San Francisco, LA, and San Diego. They're all like three or four games apart from one another. The Rockies are fourteen and a half back. If we somehow could at least get like half of the half of the wins on the road that we have, we'd be in contention, and we wouldn't have to. Pro- I mean, we probably should still have to trade Trevor, but we'd be in conversation. Maybe he stays, or maybe we can figure something out. It's just, yeah. I don't know if we're tanking or or, or we're winning. Or, or I mean, all I know is every single game I throw on, it's entertaining. Yeah, uh, if we were just able to get, if we were able to double the amount of wins on the road that we have, we'd be like eight games back out of the division. Oh my god, that's, that's the closest we've been. Yeah, that's where where this team is at right now. Uh, my most dominant team of the week, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's because they've scored sixteen goals against Carey Price. Uh, that's unheard of in these playoffs. Unheard of. In the Very playoffs especially, yeah. yeah. And uh, you can give them shit for the Kucherov situation and the long-term injured deserve. It's a rule. They took advantage of it. I will say that they were the first team to actually speak out about the rule being in place. And Gary Bettman was like, no, shut up. The, Bl- the Blackhawks are about to win three Stanley Cups in five years. We're going to keep this. And now the Lightning. And who's to say that maybe they don't go for round three? They had two trips with the cup. Why not go for round three and put some more people? Who else is injured? Who can use an eight-month vacation? Gary Bettman is is salvering at the at the at the at the bits because of Tampa Bay is going to win a cup. The last thing he wanted was Montreal winning the cup. He did not want those Canadians. He wanted to keep it in the states, which is one of the only good things he's done because he's part of that Canadian curse. But man, the the uh, Tampa Tampa Bay, good for them. They're, it's over in five. Let's put it that way. It's over in five. Yeah, it'll it'll be over in five. Unfortunately, hey, I said six. I'll take five. You guys gave me a pretty entertaining game four, so I'll I'll be happy with that. Let's move on to now. What's brewing? Presented by the High Alpine Brewing Company. Follow them at High Alpine Brew. I'll kick this one off because it ain't pretty. Uh, Trevor Bauer, poster boy of the Stickum Sir Stickum, I guess if you want to call him that. Uh is on administrative paid administrative leave per the MLB. This is a pretty weird circumstance. It normally doesn't happen, but uh, allegations came out at the end of last week as to one of Bauer's former sexual partners said that he did some pretty unsavory things to her. Um, The most detailed I'll get is punching and choking when that was not consented to. There's some other things that he did that would really just... You know, if you want to look it up yourself, go look it up yourself. I'm not going to sit here and waste everybody's. It's late enough as it is as we're recording this. I'm not going to bring that mood down even farther, but I'm going to give the justice system the opportunity to show to try and explain to me what happened. But if what happened, if what's what he's being alleged for, if that's true, the dude should be in prison for a long time. Yeah, he uh, he no pun intended. Put himself in a sticky situation to bring light on the subject. Yeah. Yeah. He's in a, he's, a, he's in a very sticky situation. Thank you for uh, bringing light there. <laughs> uh, for, much light 
Yeah, for my what's brewing, it's baseball also. The home run derby participants, we have six out of the eight confirmed as we're recording this. Right now we have obviously the hometown guy, Trevor Story. We have the Showtime, Mr. Show or Shohei Otani, who's going to be hitting home run balls over I-25 because the dude hits bombs. I mean, the dude hit a, hit, hit a ball through a freaking dome in Japan like two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. Straight up in the air through, through the, the dome. Like, I, unreal. And then on top of that, Matt Olson, another lefty bat. We're going to be catching some of those five, some of, hopefully, more than likely probably catching his home run balls because Otani's going to go for our head out mm-hmm. of the stadium. Uh, Matt Olson, Salvador Perez, the Kansas City Royals catcher who won the World Series, I believe, in like 2015, maybe? 2015, yeah. 15, yeah, 2015. Because then the Cubs were 2016. 16, yep. Pete Alonso, the reigning defending home run dirty champion. We all remember the show he put on two years ago. That dude's got a bat and a half. And then probably the best story in all baseball, Trey Mancini, the the guy who overcame cancer, who's playing an all-star type level, unfortunately didn't get the all-star nod, but he is going to be the fan favorite no matter what. Behind Story and Otani, I'm going to be rooting for Trey Mancini because the dude can rake, and he is going to be hitting bombs. So those are the six out of the eight confirmed. Obviously, no Vlad Jr., which was sad, and the no Tatis, which is also sad because both those dudes hit balls hit balls the moon too. Mm-hmm. But there are some rumors. Some rumors we could see a number 28, a guy who wore number 28 back Hitting some bombs at his former fields. I don't know what how. What do you mean, Nico? I don't know. Maybe a guy that we sent fifty million with him to somewhere. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Um, the other the other ones that are rumored were Reese Hoskins, um, and a few a few other guys. I, I, I like those are those are the most notable ones. I, I'm not sure what they're gonna do with the last two spots. But all I know is give me another left-handed bat, so like I hit some bombs up there, up to uh, up there with us in the um. Oh my god, what's it called? Where the, are the rooftop. 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 There it is. Oh my gosh, I can't think. I I almost messed that up with the rock pile. Oh, the rooftop. I, I yeah. got these for you guys too. They came in the mail because whatever ticket deal we bought, they sent our programs in the mail. But uh, we oh, are gonna be nice. there. Just in case you haven't heard, we're going to be there. We're Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. We're taking up residency in Coors Field this weekend. That's that's how we'll put that. Um, let's go to Off the Hinges, presented by the Unhinged Sports Network. What do you got for Off the Hinges this week? Get this guy off my screen. Please, Milwaukee. Whatever you do, don't get swept. I'm begging you, win one game. I, I don't want to hear, I don't want to see from the Sons and Four guy ever again. The dude is buying and selling autographs. This has got to be the biggest cloud chaser, chaser I've ever seen. And the NBA let this happen. Jokic getting ejected in game four, we could have had a chance and win one game. But no, we had to create a villain. We had to create a guy that, that I mean, look, the dude's, a, dude's smart because he's marketing the hell out of himself while he can. But man, please, the Bucks win one game. I I really, really don't want to see any Suns and Four shit anymore because man, that just grinds my gears like no other. The autograph stuff and what he—I mean, he's giving some of it away to charity, some of the money. But still, this is this dude deserves no clout. 
He's done nothing except fight a guy in the sand and hold up the number four. Give me a break. By the way, he's also he lives in Denver to just further turn the knife in that wound. And terrible. And now people think that the guy he beat up, that's people think that that's how people from Denver actually are. They're like, oh, that's a good representation of the people who live in Colorado. The guy with okay, the, like, the weird ass haircut and three watches. That's that's who lives in Denver. Like I said, Denver. Like I said a few weeks ago, Denver sports fans are down bad. The Padres, Rockies incident, the Avs fan getting the flag stolen, and the Nuggets guy, the Suns and Four guy becoming a national hero. It's just it's just one thing after another. Yeah, and not to snowball on that, but my off the hinges is pretty dismal. Uh, Jimmy Uso. The WWE superstar was arrested over the weekend for a DUI, and his blood alcohol content when he blew into the breathalyzer, 0.205. Sheesh, that is, oh my lord, that is ridiculous. 20.5% of his blood at the time he was pulled over was alcohol. Like, he's probably still drunk, and he got, it was over the weekend that this happened. Um, But in seriousness, this is where I hope to see the WWE maybe step forward in what they normally do with their talent. Um, it's no secret that wrestlers die at a young age. Like uh, Jimmy Uso's cousin, Umaga, was one of the guys who succumbed to, he, he had a heart attack due to extra to- toxicity because of all the stuff he was putting in his body to try and be a professional wrestler at a high level. The WWE needs to step in with Jimmy Uso, go, look, you got arrested once. We're not going to release you, but you're going to go to rehab. You're going to get clean because at this point, he's a danger to himself and others because one time, I can see that being a mistake. Two times, I'm nervous to see what you're going to do if I don't do something drastic. Like I don't want to see what the third strike is going to be. There, there's a great opportunity for WWE to help him out. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Talk about his bloodline, the Roman Reigns. The Rock, Umaga, like he, I hope, the, I, I mean, I'm sure those guys are going to rally around him and help him get to the place where he is. And they have, I mean, I don't watch, like, I'm going to be honest, I don't watch WWE. I, I throw it on every once in a while if there's nothing on. <laughs> but, but I mean, they have a great storyline with the with the Reigns family and everything, and and he could be could have been a great part of that. Um, but hopefully he gets the help he needs so he can get back to what, doing what he loves. Yeah, and I think if he was able, like, if he does go and get clean, they could add him right back. I'm sure, I mean, I don't know how Reigns would want to, I don't know if he'd want to use the situation, but it's content for the WWE storyline. Uh, you, you uh, well, I mean, I hope they do They've done some pretty... They've done a lot of bad stuff. They've done a lot of bad stuff. I'm hoping they don't get do it again. I mean, they probably will because it gets clicks. But, I mean, I... Ugh. Vince McMahon hope, needs another yacht. Yeah. All right. Let's. Uh, that was uh, Off the Hinges, presented by the Unhinged Sports Network. And now let's get into our newest segment, presented by Fanatics.com. Like we mentioned, at FEOTB Pod, the link is in our bio. And that's Factor Cap. Nico brought in the heat last week with Michael Jordan. We, w- we took out – we went after the GOAT for the first Factor Cap. Doesn't tell you our uh, our feelings of ourselves. I don't know what does, but I'm going back – to a different goat this time, and it's Muhammad Ali's phantom punch against Sonny Liston, May twenty fifth, nineteen sixty five. Now, this is a fun one. This is a fun yeah. one. This is Con- a fun one. Context for this fight, this story: these two fought 
earlier the year before in 1964. Uh, it was when Muhammad Ali was Cassius Clay. He beat him, I think it was a six-round TKO, and won the belt that Liston had. Before this, Liston was the dude. Liston was the heavyweight champion of the world for a reason. Uh, it was his was first Yeah, it was his first loss of his career when he lost to Cassius the first time. So following year, he goes out and gets a couple belts back. They come back to fight Muhammad Ali and uh, who is now actually Muhammad Ali at this point. He had adopted the nation of Islam and and changed his name. 104 seconds in, and we have a victory awarded via TKO to a one Muhammad Ali. The only problem is nobody can see the punch that knocked out Sonny Liston. Like Sonny Liston was known to be a tough guy, and it usually took at least a few big bombs, but it was like the first flurry of punches, and uh, Sonny Liston was left on his face. So the question then became, was Sonny Liston, who had known debts, gambling debts, and everything like that, everybody has their vice, he was in a lot of trouble with the mob, the mafia. Maybe he took a dive to pay off some debts that he couldn't pay? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting situation because you're talking about arguably the greatest boxer of all time, Muhammad Ali, and a guy in Sonny Liston who was the best heavyweight boxer of all time before Muhammad Ali came in the picture. And we talk about dives, whether it be Ben Askren and Jake Paul, where it's bad boxing. We're talking about good boxing right now. Because it's good. This is high-quality boxing. Ben Askren and Jake Paul, shit, no. But, I mean, it's just interesting because the, the whole scenario – and and no one being able to see anything. And look, the mafia was running shit. They were running a lot of things in the 60s. And it doesn't surprise me. It could be a thing. But I'm going to go with Cap. Because, because, look, I think Muhammad Ali would never throw a fight. And I think Muhammad Ali still, no matter what he did when he stepped into the ring, he still did whatever he could to win. It didn't matter what the other fighter was doing. If the other fighter decided he was going to lose, that's on him. Muhammad Ali is going to still throw as many punches as possible to let him set the tone. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go along with Cap because I still think Liston probably took some shots that caused the fall, even though you couldn't see it. Yeah, I'm almost willing to just chalk this one up to bad camera work. Like, if it was today, we probably would have been able to find the punch. There have been a couple of UFC knockouts where you're like, where where, where did he get hit? And then they show the replay and you're like, oh, he got tagged in the liver. He got tagged, yeah. He's going to go down. Or that one that's still one of my favorite videos to watch where the guy took the three-punch combo and then stood there, and then all of a sudden the world started turning. Um, I'm also going to go cap on this one, and we're, we're going to put the poll out um, on our Twitter so be sure to vote in it. Tell us what you guys think. For as powerful as the Mafia was, and like you said at this time, they they were the shit. They were just about to expand out into Nevada Forever and start, up. start building this little thing called Las Vegas. Um, so it, it, like, it makes sense that they would be able to do that. But would they do that? Also, why would Sonny Liston be in that heavy with the mob? I that doesn't make a whole bunch of sense to me. I know yeah. that he, he was into some bad stuff, but it wasn't like, you know, I don't, the yeah. normal guy. 
there wasn't a whole lot of evidence behind him being in the mob and, and doing all that. That's why it's more leaning towards Cat for me. I think maybe he had some debts. I think I think similar to what Jordan dealt with. I think maybe he paid some. He didn't. He had some overdue debts that he had. To, he had. He had to pay, and maybe that was one of the reasons why he could have quote unquote phantom the phantom punched in him. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's it's an interesting one. That's those are those are two heaters back to back. We're coming at Muhammad. Or we're not coming at Muhammad Ali. This is not regarding Muhammad Ali at all. We're coming after Sonny Liston and then Michael Jordan, which is the mob and Michael Jordan, which is very very touchy. So we can have some people calling in or knocking on our door here soon, Jimbo. I'm. I, I at least we know a good attorney, hey. But know, they normally don't you let things get. <laughs> they normally don't let things get to the courtroom, so I might have to rustle up a go shake the family tree and rustle up a cousin somewhere with some ties. Um, but yeah, let, like I said, let us know. Factor cap. Did Muhammad Ali? Did he hit him with the punch, or did Sonny Liston take a dive because he owed the mafia money? Uh, now to wrap things up because there's just so many things with this episode. We're we're tr- Nico's a trooper. I'm. I wish I could afford all of the great equipment that would make this not have to happen. But that being said, let's get into beats of the week so I can maybe win myself some money to buy some better, just a nicer setup. That might be what I need. Hey, and we've been, I've been pretty good on my beats of the weeks. I had Italy three weeks ago, plus 1,000 to win. They're in the, the UEFA Europe, Europe Champions cha- Championship. They're probably playing England, so maybe not a good chance, but hey, they got a good shot at winning. Um, there's there's some there's some interesting ones too out there because I mean Italy and England. Shout out our our friends Insert Name FC because that's been a lot of fun over there. I know we've been trying to keep track of it. For people who don't know, I'm German and Italian, and Jimmy is just straight up Italian. So we have a little bit of everything over here. I have my Germany stuff because my mom's side, but I appreciate the Italian soccer. You know what I mean? Like Kiki and Screamy said, "Get the ball to the Italians." Where are my Italians? Yeah. Uh, my the, the best line that I saw, Sun's in four. Oh my God. Plus 800. And then it was. I just the, gave you a spiel. I, I, no. I, I heard you. I heard you. Barstool boosted it to plus 1,000, though. God damn it. I hope. I hope. Please don't do this to me. I don't want to see this guy's. He, they're gonna if they win in four, he's gonna get on the boat parade somehow, and he he'll 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 be on the float in downtown Phoenix, and it it's just so painful. Man. Oh my god! Like, That's why that you should is... bet this so that it's a win-win. If they don't, and you don't have to deal with Suns and Four guy anymore. If they do, you hit a plus thousand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll rival it right now. Bucks and seven plus six hundred. Because you want to talk about conspiracy theories or facts or cap. This guy on Twitter, if you guys have been looking around Twitter, a guy tweeted out, and I think it was like 2016 or 2017 along those lines. And he straight up said, Bucks Suns 2021 NBA Finals, Bucks and Seven. So all I'm saying is I I go with destiny instead of instead of clout, so I am gonna ride with Bucks and seven over over Suns and four because look I'll probably root for the Suns because I love Monty Williams and Booker and Aiden are fun to watch, but just please Milwaukee win one game please I'm begging you. 
Just don't do it in four. Also, I think if we say Suns in four a couple more times, we'll get boosted in the algorithm. So maybe we should say it a couple more times. But no, I'll, I'll, I won't torture you. I won't torture you. Uh, my next line, it goes to the UFC event happening this weekend. Ty Tuivasa to, to KO Greg Hardy plus 155. I would also parlay it with a round one stoppage because neither of these guys like to fight longer than one round anyways. That's plus 300. So together you can get a plus 455. And bonus, you get to see Greg Hardy get knocked out. And if you know anything about Greg Hardy's history, you know why that's important. Oh, 100%. That's, I mean, a tie to Avasa is a mean dude. That's a good card. That mm-hmm. is a good card. My, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay right along those lines. I'm going to go with uh, Gilbert Burns, who is the co-main event. Is fighting Wonderboy Thompson. He is the underdog, I believe, at like plus one thirty or something along those lines. Plus one thirty-five. One thirty-five. Oh, close. And and Gilbert Burns, like, I think he is the next big thing in that division. It's just Usman is a different beast. Mm. He is just different, man. And uh, yeah, so I'm gonna get. I, I was very surprised when I heard he, that he was the underdog there. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a really good card. Yeah. Usually. Sugar Sean's also on this card too, so but he's a minus eight hundred. So I would, yeah, I'd stay a hell away from him. I, I, I would have took the line to take Poirier because Connor right now is plus one hundred. So if you're a big Connor guy, better take those odds before Saturday come along because that's an interesting line. I, I think Dustin may have his number. But I don't know. Connor Connor Connor's a big time hitter and, and usually in trilogy fights or the second time around, because this is technically the second time around because he fought Dustin five, six years ago. So fighting a guy second time around, he's usually fought better. So that's mm-hmm. an interesting one to look at. Yeah, I don't know if he's gonna beat him this time, but I agree with you and I look back at all the different rematches Connor's had. Nate Diaz came back, looked a lot better. Um I want. I like Dustin. I like what he stands for. But Conor McGregor's got that X factor, and it's attached to his left arm. That left and, wrist. And Dana said that the winner of that fight will get the number one contender spot. Hmm. So do we want do we want Conor versus Charles Oliveira, or do we are we going to get uh, Poirier versus Oliveira? Because I, I mean, both those fights are gonna, would be incredible. I think Connor would be the money fight. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. And I think, I mean, matchup wise, I think I give Olvera the nod over Connor, and I'm gonna give possibly Dustin the nod over Olvera or Olvera. Um, and that was so it'd be interesting to see what happens Saturday night. Yeah, I think um, Olvera is also rooting for Connor McGregor to win because he knows the so kind of money, money that he's gonna be seeing. Oh yeah. Also, the bag if- come in. If Poirier goes two two out of three over Conor McGregor, that's got to boost him a little bit. They'll still make oh, some money time. off of that. Big time, yeah. I mean, the, Dustin's already a Hall of Famer in the making, star in the making. Um, the dude deserves another title shot, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Uh, my last line that I got here, Joe Burrow win, winning comeback player of the year, he's tied for second best odds, plus 700. Now he's tied with Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. But we don't need to talk about that. We we should just talk about the fact that they gave Joe Burrow the third best odds to win the thing. If the Cowboys somehow make the playoffs, Dak will win it with a little landslide. 
if Run CMC becomes the number one fantasy running back again, hopefully I this year because I'm probably going to be drafting him again this year because I have faith in him and I never lose faith in Run CMC. Um, that he'll he might win it and say quads. If, if, if Saquon over there in New York just runs the hell out of the ball because that's what New York's going to have to do to win games, then he could easily win it too. Joe Burrow is just too young, I think. He's he's not he, – he, look, it, it's a great story. I just hope that the guy that – Tavon Jenkins, I think, is the guy you drafted. Um, I hope he is. he's the guy that, that – Jamar Chase. No, 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 no. The, the tackle in like the third round. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was Jenkins, the mm. guy from Oklahoma State. I hope he's the guy that protects Joe Burrow the longest and that Joe Burrow doesn't get a scratch on him at all. Except in week eight? 12 or something. It's, well, it's in December. Along the, somewhere along those lines, yeah. If you know, you know. Oh, it's a house divided that week. And we need to yeah, go together true. just so that I've never I, – I, I'll true honesty at this point, I've never seen the Bengals win in person. Every single time that I've gone to a Bengals game. You're definitely coming with me. You're definitely coming with me. I hope it happens this time. I just don't know. Either way, Joe Burrow's winning comeback player of the year in my book. Uh, What's your last beat of the week that you got? The GOAT at Wimbledon plus 750. No, not no Djokovic. Roger goddamn Federer, baby. My goat. Roger has been on a roll thus far at Wimbledon. Yeah, I want this Djokovic this, Djokovic that. Roger is tearing it up. He is winning in three sets. He is he is coming out with the serve. He is firing all cylinders. Roger is a different level right now. All right? And those plus 750 odds, I hope you listened to me last week and took those Roger versus Djokovic finals odds because that was at plus some that was like plus eight hundred last week. This week, plus two hundred. Those it's the odds on favor right now. And I, I'm I'm winning money off. Off that guaranteed, I'm actually probably not guaranteed. I'm not Charles Barkley guaranteeing it, but I'm nearly doing that because I want I want Roger, my goat, to win another Wimbledon title um, because he's a legend. He's a goddamn legend. It's not Clay, but he's doing pretty good on the grass out there. And oh, no, that's the doll is the goat on Clay. Federer is the goat on grass. Learning something new every day, Jim. I yeah, I don't have room in my head for tennis. I'm trying to get into PLL. I'm using all the rest of my extra space for PLL. So I apologize, but I don't really apologize for not knowing tennis. Uh, let's move on to play of the week. Who? What? What do you got for your play of the week? Well, Tuesday night there was a we saw the rebirth of the Greek freak. Giannis pulled a Kevin Nash. Had his leg all tangled up and just released the blanket and was walking just fine. Well, Giannis did a blocked by James moment. Instead of blocked by just Mike Breen, the legend that is Mike Breen. Shout out Marv Albert. He would he just retired to with TNT. He was one of the he's been calling games for 55 plus years. Insane. Did it for the Knicks so long ago. And he he Think about this for a second. Marv Albert has announced Wilt Chamberlain and Luka Doncic. That is 60 years in era difference. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just insane. That just shows how good Marv Albert was and his and, and his long tenure. But yeah, Mike Breen with the call or in the block by Antetokounmpo, I thought was just hilarious because because you the, the the most notorious lines Mike Breen say are bang. And then the block by James. 
And like those are the most two most notorious ones. And Giannis pulled the LeBron 100%, ran the full length of the court nearly, and, and stuffed the hell out of the ball against the backboard. It was poetry in motion. I'm just thinking about this now. How crazy is it that Doc Emmerich and Marv Albert retired in the same year? Oh man, it makes. I mean, it, ma- it makes sense because look, they're Doc Emmerich, Yeah, they're they're old, and Doc. It's crazy to think like announcer wise, like we are in an, an era where there is all these new announcers being born and created about that we'll tell our kids about that we listen to them when we were when we were when we were younger mm-hmm. because when because my dad listened to 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 um Martha Albert growing up or years ago and now I'm in the, at the end of his career and I'm going to tell my kids about Mike Breen on the call with the bang and the different things with the Ray Allen shot and the LeBron by James and all that and the Doc Emmer calls I'll never forget this the the, the and you know, TJ Oshie won and the unfortunate 2010 silver medal for Team USA where Crosby goes in between the legs of uh, of Ryan Miller, mm. unfortunately, in the gold medal game in overtime. But those uh, – like, it's, it's, it's crazy. There's there's so many great ones, um, no pun intended, because Wayne Gretzky is going to be an announcer on TNT for hockey now, so I'm excited to see that. But, yeah, there's – the announcing game, it's really, really come along far. Yeah, you don't have to continue. You don't have to rub it in. It's going to be difficult for me to get one of these jobs because they keep giving them out to Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier. Uh, my favorite, by by the way, right now is Kevin Harlan. He's the guy that does. Uh, um, he did the Chiefs games back in the '90s. Anytime that you see a Christian Okorie hiatus, he's the one that goes the Nigerian nightmare. I can't do his voice because he's Har- Harlan. Yeah, Harlan does March Madness too. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. I think he. I think he did. He does some golf too. I'm yeah. not positive, yeah, but he he's a legend too. And Gus Johnson, remember when oh, Gus, yeah, Johnson, Gus Johnson? Yeah, th- he's Johnson's so good. They gave him a single booth in Madden. It was yeah. just him that one year that he did Madden. That's how good he was. Um, I don't, I'm going to stop geeking out on all my announcers. Uh, my play of the week: Alexander Romanov's slap shot from the blue line. I mentioned it earlier when we were talking about the Habs and Lightning in their series. Um, he's the youngest defenseman in Canadians history to score in a Stanley cup final game. They've been in 30. So the fact that he is now the youngest one with guys like I've won Cornier, Cornwaye, um, that that's just incredible. And the other kid, Cole Caulfield getting the screen, all 165 pounds of him getting in front of Andre Vasilevsky so that a guy could score from the blue line is a great play. Uh, I was, I was this close to getting the Bucci overtime challenge correct. I had I, I tweeted on our account, I had Caulfield and points on the challenge, and I thought Cole hit the game winner, so I was losing my mind. And then they gave it to Anderson, and I was like, God damn it, I lost. Well, you should have got one with point on the other end because they were on a three-minute power play to That's start true. overtime. That's true. That's very true. I feel like there was a lot of things working against us last night, but hey, we're here. Uh, player of the week now. I'll go with my honorable mention first. It's Ryan McDonough. He's plus seven against Montreal, and he added, like, they had two really good defensemen in Sergachev and Hedman, and now with McDonough back there, Hedman's been able to open up his offensive game. Sergachev's playing great, and then McDonough, the way he crashed the net last night as a defenseman, even though they lost, he 
nearly single-handedly forced them to win the cup in Montreal without any of their family, without any of their friends, no celebration. He almost did that himself. So I'll give him uh, honorable mention, but Kirk Cousins. Sleep, sleeper pick, Ryan McDonough. What's the uh, um, Stanley Cup MVP trophy named? Conn Smythe. Conn Smythe. There's a sleeper pick. I would look at those betting odds from Ryan McDonough because he's played really well. I, I would, I would, yeah, I, I would, I would possibly, yeah. That's that, those are odds that I might like because it's not like the defenseman for Tampa Bay has been very, very solid. Those are would be very, very interesting odds. I think. Yeah, I mean, um, I think Vasilevsky probably has the best odds, yeah, especially if he shuts that Mountain Game Five. He's minus two twenty five. Uh, he's not even on here. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, well, who, who's the second? Nikita Kucherov at plus one thirty, and then it goes Braden Point plus twelve hundred. So I mean, they must think it's Vasilevsky's to lose then. But I mean, if that makes sense. That makes sense. If he does get that last shutout and then extends, like, like a guy that you're about to talk about extends his own record with then six shutouts in cup in game series clinching games. He's he's the best goaltender right now. That's Hall of Fame status. That's also two cups for Andre Vasilevsky, a Vesna trophy. He's probably going to win a few more Vesnas. The, the greatest thing about Andre Vasilevsky is we're just getting into his prime. Oh, 100%. He is he is just coming into his form. Just coming into form. Well, now my player of the week. Let me let me spit y'all with the goats of our generation. The legend, the man, the myth, the guy who on July 4th Becomes a household name every single year. 14 championship titles. That is the most amount of championships in a single event in any sport anywhere around the world. Second is is Rafael Nadal with 13 Wimbledons. I believe third is Will, or is Bill Russell with 11 NBA Finals championships. And I think there was another hockey guy in there with the Canadians that was tied with Bill Russell with 11 as well. But, mm-hmm. um, but Joey goddamn Chestnut broke his record for the sixth straight year. He is he, – it is Joey Chestnut and everybody else. The dude is just a goddamn legend. 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes. 76. Like this, this, like we are watching. Like, like, I'll be honest, I don't watch the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. I watch the highlights because I don't have the time of day just to sit there and watch people eat hot dogs and me not get hungry. Because, man, Joey Chestnut is a goddamn legend. He is far and away, like, oh man, I won't say far and away, but the goat of our generation. Like, like there's, there's no one as dominant in his or her sport right now than Joey Chestnut. Yes, I called hot dog eating a sport. You can make anything a sport, basically, in this world. There's axe throwing. There's cornhole. There's, like, professional – professional eating is a sport. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a weird one. Don't get me wrong, but it, it, it's a professional sport. And Joey Chestnut, man, he is the GOAT of our generation. Yeah, I don't know how you train to be like Joey Chestnut, but the dude can drink a two-liter bottle of soda and be okay. 
all the, at once. The, so yeah, the sports science was just ridiculous too. Watching a sports science back, I was just blown away because the way he jumps up and down to get the food down, the water. Oh my. It's getting me hungry almost just thinking about it, but thinking about the way I mean, I'm actually maybe not hungry, but more uh, more more in a scenario of like, man, it's it's just he 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 is a different. He is what we call built different. <laughs> Let's put it that way. He's built different. Yeah, he is. We we're striving to be the Joey Chestnut of podcasting with this podcast. So let's start making that a thing. When we want to be the best at something, we go the we we want to be the Joey, Joey Chestnut, Chestnut of something. He's the best around. Yeah, him and Kobayashi all those years ago mm-hmm. fighting, and now it's still him alone at the top. It's just crazy, man. Just crazy. Him and Kobayashi first competed against each other back in 2009. That was 2012 years ago. 12 years ago. 14 championship titles later. Oh, my God, man. This dude's a goddamn goat. Every July 4th, he comes on our screen. Look, we forget about him. But everybody knows who he is. That's the funny part. We all, like, in, in like, October, like, we were like, oh, Joey Chestnut? Is that the, is that the, oh yeah, that's him. And then every July, every, every come July 4th, we turn on ESPN and they have the, the Nathan's hot dog eating contest along with, they had a lemonade drink contest, which was very, very interesting. And, but the guy drank a gallon of milk or a gallon of lemonade in like, I think it was like a minute or so. It was I weird. did see that. That guy was a house too. Yeah. The dude, it was ridiculous. And the, the talk about man, the goat, the way he eats hot dogs. It's just it, this never going to be matched. There's only one person that can beat his record, and that's himself. That's all you need to know. Yeah, I don't think that we can pivot anywhere from Joey Chestnut. So, with that, be sure to follow us at FEOTB Pod. All of our social medias. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed, Nico, what should they do? Or if they are if subscribed, subs- or if they, you are subscribed, you unsubscribe and you resubscribe. Put us in the in the in the system. Get all the good stuff out. We have a lots of good content coming out. We promise. Around the whole All Star break, we'll have stuff. Jimmy will be hitting the batting cages because I made him look like an idiot golfing and basketball already. So it's time to make me look like an idiot swing a bat. Um, so you may have you may see that video on our Instagram and Twitter, which you can find us at FEOTV Pod um, over there. Like I said, our YouTube is. Part of Bench Podcast too. It's episode forty-eight. It's it's been a long one, man. We we we've been grinding all nights. We had some technical difficulties, but we got through. Um, and it was a fun night. Like I said, we don't sleep until the playoffs are over. It's gonna be a nice off season. I'll tell you that, Jimbo. First off season of this podcast. But with that, episode forty-eight of the Far End of the Bench for myself, Jimmy Plato, my co-host Nico Bryant. This is the Nico Bryant episode number forty-eight. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next week. Peace. When the night is cold and lonely This is a dollar bill Was it the money that made me a savage? Popping them pies and I made it a habit Towing them pistols and serving them addicts That was exciting to me I'm so excited to be Started with nothing, we had to inspire to be Elephants again, hey to me I'm getting to it, feel like the man I got the plan, I call the shooters, they out with the van Play with the squad, get piled like a sand Piled like a perk, I'm going ham I'm going crazy, I'm yeah, who's sticking up for nigga Let that music like I look a sand I'm in the kitchen, compressing the bird Take out a nine and I sell it for me